Hello and welcome into the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb, and as always, I am joined by Dustin Ragusa. Dustin, how are you doing on this Friday, sir? Cade, I'm doing well. How are you? doing fine i think both of us have had equally crazy weeks and uh i'm thankful for somewhat of a slow news week to settle us back in because i know you and i both have had uh have been put through the ringer so to speak this week well that's what i was about to say that's why i kind of delayed my response back to you (laughs) i wanted to ask you how you were doing but i also wanted to say we, we got here we finally made it to a week where there's not a lot of news it only took all of football season and most of January to get here. I, I got to say, it came at a great time. I mean, we just moved. Uh, work has has just absolutely gone through the roof. It's been all good stuff, but uh, it, it did come at a good time. I know you can relate to with some of your plans as well. And so uh, it did finally happen. Not as though we were like crossing our fingers. Can we get Can we get a week where we have nothing to talk about? Because we do have stuff to talk about. And uh, yeah, I look look forward to getting into it with you, Dustin. Yeah, it's it's honestly sad when there's no news. I just thought it was funny how we said it like, hey, these are probably going to be shorter pods and <laughs> we have news we, every time. And speaking of plans, Kate, I did want to mention, I can mention it again at the end. Not that it's that big of a deal, but I'll be out next week. So it'll Kate will take over, maybe a host, maybe just Kate. Maybe we take a week off. Don't really know the schedule yet but i'll be out of town so cade's got it next week and i appreciate cade for that yeah you're abroad and i that's one word um you, we'll we'll see yes. you when you get back uh from from your uh travels and uh yeah i'll hold it down some way i can't decide exactly what i want to do but uh it would be helpful for uh some listeners to come strong with some questions but uh yeah dustin let's go ahead and get right into it With a word from our friends at Charlie Hustle Clothing Company, Charlie Hustle is a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City that specializes in collegiate and hometown apparel. Charlie Hustle wants you to be the best-dressed fan this season, so be sure to check out their wide selection of officially licensed collegiate apparel today and show off your school spirit all season long. With over 30 schools to choose from, they've got you covered with all of your collegiate apparel needs. So shop today at www.charliehustle.com, and when you do, Use our promo code 101215 for 15% off all non-sale items. Charlie Hustle, vintage made fresh. You know our friends at Charlie Hustle, they're big J.C. Hoyt fans, and uh, I know we are as well, but I, th- I don't know if they've got like an actual connection, but I see Charlie Hustle and J.C. Hoyt like always going back and forth on social media, which is pretty cool. I think she's like the first person... Oh, I saw wearing OSU stuff like on social media because that was before our sponsorship. I think that was when we had a previous clothing sponsor. And I remember seeing Coach Hoyt in some Charlie Hustle stuff. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Looking it up. I, I don't even think I had 
known that Charlie Hustle made OSU stuff at that point. I, they didn't. I'm I'm very familiar with the Charlie Hustle brand, and so uh, they, KC, they did right. They're yeah, they're from Kansas City. I, their yeah. headquart or their flagship location was like a mile from where I went to college, and I actually have like I I do know some of the folks that started Charlie Hustle, and uh, so they uh, yeah I, I've followed them for a long time, but uh, pretty cool that they wound up supporting the show, and uh, obviously yes, continue to uh, support Charlie Hustle and shop with them because they uh, they make some fantastic stuff. So, uh, Dustin, I think we can probably. Go ahead and get right into some football notes. Yeah, we've got a few football notes on the current team. You guys know how we kind of break it up. We'll do current team. We'll talk some recruiting. We'll talk transfer portal. The current team notes, there's not a lot, but I think a few notable things that we haven't talked about yet on the pod. All-star game invites-wise, so these are the end-of-the-season all-star games. You think of the Senior Bowl, the East-West Shrine Bowl, the Hula Bowl, which is the first one I wanted to hit. That was this past weekend on January 13th, Anthony Goodlow was there. Cade, I could not find any stats from this game <laughs> on Goodlow, but he did play. He was at the game. He did participate. There's NFL scouts there. We'll see kind of how Goodlow progresses in terms of NFL prospect status. And Cade, did want to shout out Spencer Sanders was there. I'm sure you saw the picture mm. on social media. This is one of the since it's one of the all-star games, the players will normally grab other teams, decals, crazy decals and put them on their helmet along with theirs. Well, Spencer Sanders, Sanders had Ole Miss and OSU on his helmet. What were your thoughts? Yeah, on that? that's, that was pretty cool. Um, I, honestly, it was a little bit surprising. I just, I, I didn't know, you know, how, how people felt about people. And so, uh, to see that was, was cool. I, I, I liked it. Yeah. I think it's, uh, you know, a case where look when Spencer looks back and when us as fans look back on his career, we don't want to remember that part about how he left that. And I think maybe he's made realizing it a little bit sooner than, you know, some, some people may have thought because he had such a great career at Oklahoma state and accomplished so many things. Yeah. You've said it perfectly, Dustin. That's exactly where I was about to go was, I mean, there was a time where you and I were talking about is Spencer Sanders, the top five Oklahoma state quarterback of all time. Like we, we had that conversation and I don't know which one of us said, yes, it might've been me might've been you. I can't remember, but that we, we had those conversations and I mean, he was the starting quarterback for four years at this school. And so, uh, yeah, you hate the way it ended, but, uh, yeah, you hope bygones could be bygones and he makes his way back to Stillwater on both sides. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah, because I mean, you and I are known Spencer Sanders guys, so yeah, definitely. Well, I think we died on that hill, if, actually. <laughs> yeah, so I would love if everybody kind of came back around to liking Spencer Sanders. But anyway, the other bowl game that's this weekend is the Trillion Tropical Bowl. Kate, I had not heard of that one before. Nope, that's it's in new. Daytona, Florida. Elijah Collins will be there. Our guy, probably one of our favorite players, Josiah Johnson, will be there. It's not televised nationally, but you can purchase a live stream of this game if you want to watch. If there's stats from it, I'll try to find them and I'll put them out there. The two notable games, which I've mentioned already, the East-West Shrine Bowl on February 1st and the Senior Bowl on February 3rd. No Oklahoma State guys, as far as I can tell, on either of those rosters, but we know those are kind of fluid. They can change as Jason Taylor. I think it was the Senior Bowl. He got added like the week of, so we'll keep you locked in on that for sure. Yeah, it's it's always cool to see these guys get a chance to 
put put a show on um especially a guy like josiah johnson who i think has had a pretty good year of film especially if scout were to pay attention to the development from start to finish i i do wonder i mean he i don't know if he's big enough to play tight end in the nfl but i i could see somebody taking a flyer on him yeah almost like a a, a team that plays a lot of tight ends and rotates a lot of tight mm-hmm. ends into the game Game, which a lot of NFL teams do that, as anybody that plays fantasy football knows. I could see him being one of those guys that those yeah. rotating in guys because he's such an intense blocker yeah. who now has had experience pulling in GH counter, doing the escort motion in split zone. Some of these things that you see from teams like the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams in the NFL, Josiah Johnson has had a lot of experience with that from the tight end position. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens with him, and uh, yeah, look look forward to uh, look forward to seeing how that game goes for him. Yep. Next note: Justin Wright has been cleared, according to Pope's report. The Tulsa transfer linebacker tore his ACL two games into last season. It sounds like he's actually going to be able to participate fully in spring. I'm assuming he's not going to be fu- cleared fully for contact. But the fact that he's able to do all the drills, the workouts and everything coming off an ACL is pretty big time. I hope guys like Lyric Rawls and Jason Brooks are able to kind of get back into it with the same kind of speed that Justin Wright has been cleared for duty. Yeah, that's a great point. Several key guys that Oklahoma State needs to return from pretty significant injuries. But I think think Justin Wright could end up being the most important i think jason brooks you know obviously maybe end up being the most impactful but justin wright's presence in what is somewhat of a potentially thin linebacker room next year potentially thin we'll we'll see how some of the young guys develop i think it's going to be important that he's he's healthy and ready to go yeah i completely agree it's a great point and the last kind of note we have before we start talking about some recruiting stuff is the team has reported Gundy met with them on Wednesday. Workouts in the weight room have started with Rob Glass, and then the running and conditioning will start on January 28th. Confirmed from both 247 and Pope's report, the transfer portal arrivals are Obi Azigbo, the defensive end from Gannon, Tyler Foster, the tight end from Ohio, Isaiah Glass, the offensive lineman from Arizona State, Christian Hurd, who I put out on Twitter and this was my fault. I omitted the fact that my understanding was he's a walk-on. Transfer from North Texas, safety, 5'9", 192 pounds from Katy, Texas. Uh, Pato, I think high school is how you say that. I'm not 100% sure. That was, I lived in Houston for six years, and I've never heard of that high school. <laughs> he didn't record a snap with North Texas, but he was a two-time all-district guy in high school. 27 tackles and two interceptions his senior year. I think... He is a walk-on replacement for some of the walk-ons that they're losing in the defensive backfield. I'm not 100% sure if Parker Robertson is going to be back. So some of those guys like that that they need for scout team and you know maybe if he's able to perform well enough can be a key guy on special teams like we've seen a lot of walk-on DBs be and maybe even get into a game as we saw Parker Robertson do at times this season due to injury. So Heard will be there, and my apologies for not noting him as a walk-on on Twitter. And then Kobe Hilton, KT Hilton, the safety from UTEP. And lastly, A.J. Green, the running back from Arkansas. Folks report Robert Allen left him off their list. 
But Go Pokes and 247 is saying that he is going to be there and his Twitter says he's there. So I believe he's there. So all that to say, all of the guys you know about that committed to Oklahoma State in the transfer portal have reported for spring and are ready to rock. Man, I just looked down this roster and I, I, you've talked about this, that Mike Gundy, you know, wants to go in and get a similar player to the one that's departed, whether that, that be transfer portal or eligibility. And I look and it, it is very clear they went into the portal with an agenda to bolster the defensive backfield, get an anchor on the offensive line, upgrade that position, and then fill in Josiah Johnson's absence. See if you can get somebody on the defensive line. I still think they may need. If they've got one more spot, if I had to pick, I think it's probably needs to go there. I know you and I kind of talked about that or a cornerback, but you know, Dustin, I think that they really did a fine job in the portal this year. And I think that they, this may be one of my um, most intrigued. Maybe this may be the most intrigued I've been by a portal class since Oklahoma state has, has started diving into it. I think that this is going to be a good one. Yeah, I mean, offensively, kind of as you noted out, if Tyler Foster in a combo of Jake Schultz and Bryce Drummond can replicate even close to what Josiah Johnson and Braden Cassidy did last season in terms of blocking and just being solid players all around in the offense, if they can come anywhere close to that, you're basically returning the entire team plus an extra offensive lineman. So, I mean... (laughs) from a team that went to the big 12 championship last year. And I know they won a lot of close games, but it basically just goes to show you that you could be bringing back all of that production. And there's a chance like some spots could even upgrade a little bit with the addition of Isaiah glass and Tyler Foster. Yeah. I, I, that's exactly the way I see it, Dustin. It's really intriguing. And I think they additionally did a great job with some of the high school guys that they've brought in to fill out that depth. I, I think most of these guys that they brought in have a chance to either be starting or they're, they're going to be on the two deep Christian heard, maybe the one that I, I, I don't know enough about, but I think everybody else was brought in to to have immediate impact. Yeah. And then on the defensive side, I know you and I both still think they could probably use another defensive end, but we'll, we'll see what they do scheme wise next year. Right. Do they do more kind of odd front with a walk down linebacker and Colin Oliver and keep him up near the line of scrimmage? Do they play the safeties similar to how they were kind of playing them in that bowl game against Texas A&M where Kendall Daniels is much closer to the line of scrimmage for a majority of the game, as you, as you and I pointed out and Lunt and I talked about on the podcast. So we'll kind of see how it goes, but yeah, I'm very excited as you are about these guys coming in. And I completely agree with your point about Gundy just kind of, going in with an agenda and replacing what he lost with guys that are very similar. Yeah, it's literally like you said, I need this, 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 and this. And that's exactly (laughs) what they went and did. And to Jade and I's knowledge, I think they have one or no spots at this time with the 85 scholarship limit. So we'll see. And speaking of that, we talked about this last week, the new high school enrollees coming in are Landon Cleveland, the safety from Mansfield Legacy in Texas, Josh Ford, the tight end from Stillwater, Trey Griffiths, the wide receiver from Keller, Tamaric Johnson, the linebacker from Midlothian Heritage in Texas, David Cabongo, the safety from Trophy Club in Texas, Willie Nelson, the cornerback from Longview, Armstrong Notum, the defensive lineman from Mesquite Horn in Texas. And per Pokes report, Caleb Hackelman and Luke Webb 
were both supposed to enroll early, the offensive linemen and defensive end. It looks like they are not now because Oklahoma State gathered so many guys in the portal. The only question mark, Cade, that I have is Milwaukee Smith. Folks report did not have him on their list, but McLean Baxley at Oklahoma State, Go Pokes 247, just did an article, an interview with Smith, put it out, and he said he is still enrolling early. So I, if there is one spot left, I think Smith is taking. Yeah, which is, I think we spoke about this and agreed. If you could pick somebody to take that spot, it would be him, right? Like his development, will he will benefit from that extra time on campus. There's no question. Dustin, you look at that list. Anybody, uh, if you had to pick one, and you can't say my Louis, my Milwaukee Smith, who would you go with and say, yeah, that's the guy I'm most excited about to see early? And, you know, it's Landon Cleveland is just, he's one of, I know you and I's favorites because he did so much recruiting of other high school guys after yep. he committed to Oklahoma State. He had a lot of big schools coming after him. He stayed committed. But, you know, I, we talked about it when we went through the breakdown and we talked about it with Lunt. Armstrong Nodum yep. plays a position of need. Yep. He's got the strength already, according to the coaching staff. And I, I mean, I just think he's a guy that could come in and maybe make an impact pretty early, along with a guy like Josh Ford just being thin at the tight end position. But Notum is kind of the guy who pops out to me just because I want to see the defensive line improve. And I think he's a guy that could get them there in the future. What about you? I, I think that's my answer too. Um, just because we've talked about the freakish strength. It's kind of, it's kind of like the um, Justin Kirkland uh, folklore, which was, you know, it was building and building and building. I feel like Armstrong Notum's got a little bit of that. I think he's obviously a better kept secret. He's a true freshman, not expecting that level of, um, you know, hype headed into the preseason, but if it's not him, it's Landon Cleveland. I, I just think that he's going to end up being a really good player for Oklahoma State. And for him, you know, to get the opportunity to to study behind Kendall Daniels and and hopefully not have to play so much this year, uh, it'll be really good to see him when he does get some run early in the year. Yeah, I'm really excited about those guys. I'm really excited about a lot of these guys. I mean, Trey Griffiths. Yeah, Tamaric Johnson. Receiver at like, 6'3", 200 already. Tamaric Johnson, yeah. A lot of good guys coming in early, and I'm glad they're coming in. Well, Cade, I think we can get into a couple of quick notes on recruiting in the transfer portal if you're ready to move on. Yeah, let's go ahead. So the coaches are back on the road recruiting. The ice and snow actually changed their travel plans. They were Heard going that. to be yeah, they were going to be in state, and they instead went to Texas, Arkansas, Louisiana, Utah, Nebraska this week instead of kind of staying around in Oklahoma. So just going kind of coach by coach with what we know, and these are just gathered from, you know, what we've heard, 247, Pokes Report, Pistols Firing. Coach Nardo, he was in Waco visiting four different schools, went to Waco University, home of 2026 four-star receiver London Smith. He also stopped at Waco Connolly, which we know has produced uh, Corey Black, Kobe Black, who – into Texas, but still some talented guys. La Vega, Waco High. He also went to Lake Belton in Temple and Lorena High. 
He, I think at Lorena, he was visiting Jackson Blackwell, a defensive lineman. They haven't offered him yet. He's got some smaller school offers right now. And then he also went uh, to Shapiro High in Killian, Texas, to kind of round out his trip. Coach McIndoo was in Nebraska. They offered multiple tight ends, which we'll get into. So he was, I think, talking to a lot of those guys. Two of them were from Nebraska. He was in Omaha. I think he was in uh, at Platteview High School. So he was kind of all over the place. And then he finished off in Kansas City, Missouri, looking at 2025 tight end Braden James. Coach Rete was in Oklahoma. He actually was in Oklahoma this week, checking out a 2024 walk-on possibility and was in Texas checking out 2026 prospect Fran Stein of San Marcos High School. Coach Dickey, uh, he's going to be, he was in Tulsa for a little bit, looking at some offensive tackles. And then he was in, Coffeyville, Kansas at Elgin High School and Field Kindley High School. Coach Waz was in Lawton uh, at MacArthur High School. I think he was at Lawton High School as well. So some of these guys were in Oklahoma. And Coach Randolph, after just getting hired, was in Southeast Texas to visit Iowa Conley and Port Arthur. And rounding that out with the last notes, Casey Dunn, who was just linked to the Arizona coaching job, which he didn't take. We saw that in several articles coming out. He was... He met and offered four-star athlete Michael Terry III at Alamo Heights High School in San Antonio, and then he offered Jaden Perez at Brandy's High School in San Antonio. So the coaches were all out and about all over kind of the mid-southwest area of the United States. Didn't I mean, I haven't seen a ton of offers come out, but they definitely were out checking on guys after the dead period just wrapped up last week. Dustin, that's a fantastic breakdown. It'll be really interesting to see what comes of it? I know that they're looking at some some high profile guys in the 2025 recruiting class, and some guys that uh, you know th there will be some stern competition for. But uh, really interested to see Randolph's acumen as a recruiter. He's obviously the one that you know you look at and you don't you don't know, but you feel like it's going to be pretty good. And so uh, excited to hear what happens with him being on the road so early. Yeah, and speaking of those tight ends, Chase Lofton was offered. These are just the 2025 guys. He's 6'5", 200-pound tight end from Elkhorn North High School in Omaha, Nebraska. Three-star, number 17-rated tight end, number two-rated player in Nebraska. Dylan Sims, he's a defensive end tight end, also a basketball player. He is from Arizona, and he's Oklahoma State's his second offer other than Northern Arizona. And then Ryman Zebert a 2025 tight end, 6'6", 210 pounds from Platteview Senior High School in Springfield, Nebraska. He's a three-star, number 29-rated tight end, number six-rated player in Nebraska. Cade, the tight ends, yes. they're coming after him. I think they have figured the out guy. what they want. <laughs> yes, I think they figured out what they want in a tight end. And I, I want to say it's in part due to how Josiah Johnson played this season. I think they're going after Josiah Johnson's. I think you're spot on. I think that they probably archetyped their ideal tight end, went out and got him in Josiah Johnson. That went really well. And so now it's how do we get, you know, four more Josiah Johnsons on the roster right now? Um, th this is the Josiah Johnson episode. We're absolutely giving him his well-deserved flowers. <laughs> That's our guy. He so is. Transfer portal-wise, Cade, not a ton of news. Again, it opens back up in mid-April, and it'll close at the end of April for the spring period. Since the last pod, I think the only notes is 
Folks Report is reporting that Preston Wilson and Taylor Materko are officially returning. So Oklahoma State is now returning. Dalton Cooper, Jason Brooks, Cole Birmingham, Joe Mahalski, Preston Wilson, Jake Springfield, Taylor Materko, and they added Isaiah Glass along with all of these young guys that they have on the roster. A lot of offensive linemen compared to two years ago when they didn't even have enough to field a two deep in spring practice. I, we we talked a little bit about it last week. I think that the 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 thing I'm most excited about is continuity on the offensive line. They have not had this for years, and so to have this the this amount of returning talent hardly. Has anybody departed? I mean, are they are they missing anybody from last year? Am I? Am no, I just I, all of the all of the linemen that played snaps <laughs> are back. Crazy is my understanding. That is a crazy proposition in the tr- one in the transfer portal era. Two, just given the context of the Oklahoma State offensive line over the last several years, um, I, I I don't know how you couldn't look at that and be excited about the prospects in next season. Yeah. I completely agree. We did get, I, w- I didn't want to know, we got a question from, from a friend of mine, Steve sits by me in the stadium. Shout out to Steve. He's an awesome guy. Him and his wife. Stadium Steve. Asking, yeah, asking about Jaden Nixon. From everything you and I've heard, Caden, correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like he is going to Sam Houston State. And nothing's just been officially announced. His cousin also plays there and that's where he's been linked. My understanding is that's where he's going. I haven't like, you know, looked at their student directory or, directory or anything to see if he's enrolled. But that's my understanding is he's going to Sam Houston State. Well, that would be par for the course for you. But uh, no, I I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I thought it was Sam Houston State as well. I think it, it will end up being that. Um, but I mean, you know, with the portal being quote unquote closed, it's just a little bit of a slower time. I, I would expect to see him end up there. That That seems like the logical conclusion to this. Yeah, I agree. And then uh, last note, Keyshawn Brown, the wide receiver from Duquesne, has sent, that Oklahoma State was interested in, has since committed to UMass. And Cade, that now makes it no one that has reported interest or an offer from Oklahoma State on the offensive side of the ball is still available. So the only guys still available that I've seen that I haven't seen committed anywhere are Laveria Wiley, the cornerback from Central Michigan, and Reggie Grimes, the defensive end from Oklahoma. Other than that, everyone that we have been keeping the tracker on has committed somewhere or committed to Oklahoma State. I'm going to throw something at you. So they they threw out several apparent offers to wide receivers. None of them stuck. There were several that I felt like like if Oklahoma State wanted, they would have taken and gotten. However, they did take a running back in this class, a a pretty talented running back and an accomplished running back. Do you think that that could lend to they have potentially moved a scholarship somewhere or maybe not moved a scholarship, but potentially, you know, they could end up doing more two down or two back stuff next season with Ollie Gordon, AJ Green. Therefore, you don't want to spend a scholarship at the wide receiver spot. Just pontificating, nothing more. No, I, I think it's a great call out. I, I also think because they had so much success with Josiah Johnson and Braden Cassidy, mm-hmm. and I think they like Tyler yeah. Foster, Jake Schultz, and Bryce Drummond a lot. I think along with two back, I think you're going to see heavy 11 personnel again, which means only three wide receivers out there. 
They've got Presley. They've got Stribling. They've got Owens. They've got Shetron. And I think they really like Cam Hurd, Jalen Polk, and, mm-hmm. and Tyke Andrews. I think they who do, all too. all have had a year in the system. And to kind of go along with your analysis and your assumption on that, I think some of these guys who Oklahoma State could have got if they wanted out of the portal, they ended up realizing after talking to them, after watching a little bit more of their film, that Pope, Heard and Andrews might be better than these guys and may have higher ceilings. That's a that's a great point. It may not have as much to do with the two back sets, but I just just curious to because there these are guys that Oklahoma State probably could have gotten that we're talking about um, with some of these offer sheets that we've seen. So yeah, it'll be it, it'll be interesting to see um, you know what what they kind of end up doing. Yeah, I definitely think two back sets should be included in the offense next year with a guy like AJ Green. I mean, our Arkansas where he came from did it a lot. So, 100%. You you should go three backs. You should go three backs in the diamond. <laughs> I do like that as well. Or two backs in Presley. Yeah, there you go. Um, Kate, that's all the football news I have. Well, Dustin, I I love this time of year. It allows us to catch our breath. However, it's crazy to think that there are literally already about to kick off off season workouts next week. I mean, it's, it's a month removed from football. You feel like it's never going to, the end of the off season is never going to get here, but uh, it certainly does go fast. Unfortunately, it doesn't go as fast when Oklahoma state basketball is doing what they've been doing. We'll get to them right after a word from one of our sponsors. We want to say a quick thank you to sponsor the Feels Like 45 podcast, Classic Overland. Classic Overland specializes in restoring original Land Rover Defenders designed with your unique style and specifications. They go to great lengths to find quality vintage Defenders before they begin the restoration process, and their team of experts will guide you through the various exterior and interior options to create the perfect build. Our friends Luke Reed and Robert Dennis of Classic Overland are both Oklahoma State graduates and will work with you through the process to ensure you have a great experience. And in addition, if you purchase a Classic Overland Defender and mention this podcast, the Feels Like 45 podcast, their team will donate a portion of the proceeds to the Pokes with a Purpose NIL Collective. To learn more, you can visit their website, classicoverland.com, and you can contact Luke and Robert at robert at classicoverland.com. Thank you. And go Pokes. Dustin, where to start with Oklahoma State basketball right now? It, well, I think you start at the bottom. Within the last <laughs> week, you've, I mean, the Iowa State game, travel debacle. I, I, it's a miracle they played that game. That one I can somewhat get throw that one away you know you would have liked to not score only 42 points uh, just the circumstances that one is strange I think for me the loss to Kansas in that form and fashion where you never were really in it that added insult to injury in a week where you also you lost a scholarship player in Isaiah Miranda. Now you and I kind of spoke about Isaiah Miranda a little bit. And I think I said on this podcast that I had an eye on that one because he was at NC state all year last year and never played. It was, was somewhat injured, but it seemed to be a weird situation came to Oklahoma state and the exact same thing happened. And I said out loud that 
feels strange to me. And lo and behold, Isaiah Miranda no longer with Oklahoma State basketball. And I think, Dustin, to get kind of into it, and, and I'll just give you my take on him, like that was a risky take for Mike Boynton. Given the flight risk at NC State, he was a flight risk at Oklahoma State. Then you factor in that they took a bunch of true freshmen in this class and really didn't load up in the portal. This was a this was not the season to to take the types of chances, at least in my opinion, that it seems like they took because the uh, I'm not going to say the talent discrepancy against Kansas, but certainly the discrepancy in overall basketball ability and execution was on full display. Yeah, for sure. And I think not all like it was risky, not only because of how NC State went, but also you pointed out all the true freshmen and the kind of the type of player yeah. that Miranda is, you didn't really need behind Brandon Garrison. You needed another Mike Marsh or a better version of Mike Marsh. You needed like yeah. an experienced big. So it's it's tough. And I completely agree. You called this from the jump. I, I know. Coach Boynton, it sounds like, and you know, he could just be saying this, but it sounds like it was a pretty mutual split. Like Miranda wanted to go explore pro opportunities. Mike Boynton said he's a really good kid. We're pulling for him. He won't be with us. He had the hip injury in the exhibition game against Oklahoma Baptist. He rolled his ankle on November 20th. It just felt like he probably wasn't going to be able to get a lot of minutes with those injuries also stacking up as well. So I, I just think it kind of goes back to I, I'm definitely not mad at Isaiah Miranda in this. I think, as you mentioned from the very beginning of this discussion, I think this is more on the coaching staff yeah. and taking this guy with what else you had already on the roster. Even the recruiting process was a little strange to get him here. I remember it was like, he's coming, he's not coming, he's coming, he's not coming. And uh, yeah, I just... um that was, I think you nailed it. That that one I I would pin on the coaching staff. The other thing I'll say, not to you know throw Isaiah Miranda under the bus by any means, but you're gonna have to play if you're gonna play professionally. So you're gonna have to put something on tape and wish him the best. But uh, I, I it would don't, be awesome I, if you didn't have to play and you could go professional. That's what I would have done. Well, God, that's what that's, it, that's what, what we would do. We we would we would drop <laughs> everything right now and we'd go we'd go drive down Broadway <laughs> Extension and hit up the Thunder. That's what we'd do. But that's not how it works. So uh, we'll see. But, you know, to kind of get back into the the week that was, Dustin, when I don't know how much you watched of the Kansas game, but I sat through most of it. I didn't go. Um, it was, I, you know, I look at the Kansas game every year as like one that I circle. Like no matter how bad Oklahoma State is, no matter how good Kansas is, that's one you expect to be close, really competitive. But that's the sixth game in a row that Oklahoma State has lost to Kansas and the third in a row at home that they have lost to Kansas by more than 10 points. So they're not they're not competitive with the Jayhawks right now. And uh, this last one was really disheartening. They, they looked disorganized, completely outmanned, both in terms of uh, personnel and uh, execution. And uh, I leave that game really low on uh, just the program as a whole. Okay, well, kind of. I mean, my problem is selfishly, I'm sitting there with my computer out, right. ready to clip some stuff for Twitter, some clips that I think are cool, which I I know sometimes people like, sometimes people probably think I'm being annoying, but 
when they're getting beat by 20 points the entire game, I'm not going to put any clips out. And I honestly feel bad for the social media account that they have to do it when you're getting beat like that. So that is, I, I sit there through the whole game. I watch it, but you know, I wish it was a little bit more competitive so I could, I could do my thing with the video clips. Yeah. I, I, I don't even know, Dustin. I, I, I uh, had to go uh, put my daughter to bed that night and came out and it was, I think it was 12 to two. And it was like, Oh, well this is over. And they never, never once threatened to make a run. And, um, I just look at this, this, the way the roster is assembled, you're trying to feed Brandon Garrison, who's a, who's going to end up being a really good player. I hope it's at Oklahoma state. Um, his, his frame is just physically imposing, but his game's not there yet. And to try to feed yeah. him in a game like this against Hunter Dickinson is like, if that's all you got, then this is just, this is just going to be a long season. And you look ahead and, it doesn't get any easier. You you're going. Uh, you've got um, Kansas State on the road this weekend. You got a ranked TCU team who beat Houston at home coming to your your house on Saturday of next or on Tuesday of next week. I mean the the wins. We did this with football. The, I don't see the wins. I, I see West Virginia. You, you do get West Virginia after that TCU game, but then you're going right back to Kansas, right at Kansas. You, you don't get. So, Texas at home this year. You got to go to Houston this year. Oklahoma is up. I mean, this is um, this is bad. Yeah, and I think the thing you know, you're talking about Garrison. Ask that's kind of going back to our point on Miranda and and maybe using that on another more experienced big or maybe getting a guy that's and, and you know Mike Marsh hasn't really worked out great, but. So I'm not going to fault him for that. Uh, you know, it's not like you can hit every single time, but but we kind of knew that. Is kid, how often is a big coming out of high school when it's not one of the top five bigs in the country polished at all in terms of low post defense and low post offense? Now I'm trying to think who was the um, the Kansas David McCormick Oklahoma State was way in on. He was a true freshman at Kansas, five-star McDonald's All-American, actually very similar like player. He was not very good his freshman year, but by his senior year, he's an All-American, and you can't exactly. stop him. That's where Brandon Garrison's you going You don't play to like that in high school. No, you just don't. You just don't. You're bigger, stronger, faster than everybody, and in college, it doesn't work. Especially not in AAU. You right. definitely don't play that kind of basketball in AAU, so it's... It's tough. It was a great point by you. And I mean, Dickinson had great things to say about Brandon Garrison after the game. Yeah, he, he was very nice. You can nice. tell he's going to be good. Coach Boynton said it as well. I like Connor Dow. I'm glad Connor Dow got some minutes in this game. I know his shots weren't falling, but he's an extreme hustle guy. And, and like, he's talented as well. Yeah, when his shots are falling, I think he can be a pretty, pretty good player because he can play a little bit on the defensive end as well. But it's just, yeah, right now, Kate, I, I'm back to what you said. And sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off as you were going through that schedule, but I, I just don't know. You know, we said we thought they could get to six. I'm starting to get a little bit scared about that number. Oh, I, I don't I don't see it. I mean, Boynton's teams usually <laughs> turn it around towards the end of the year, but like I, I think the biggest thing for me is I, I don't see the athleticism that is normally there. Like Oklahoma state in the past could win games based on their athleticism. Like you looked at last year's bedlam game, for example, you had Woody Newton, Caleb Boone, 
you had Avery Anderson. You had some guys that could just make something happen because they were really athletic. And they don't have that right now. They they don't have a game-breaking player. Javon Smalls asked to do way too much, distribute to guys that can't finish at the rim. Um, they can't get an open shot. Frankly, Dustin, they have... I tweeted this and I'm I'm not trying to be negative. I'm really not. You know Oklahoma State basketball's like a, a true love of mine. But they've brought the Travis Ford three-man weave back. And you run that when you don't have anything else. That's all you got. And uh it's just it it's a sad state of affairs in Stillwater. And uh I don't know where Oklahoma State goes from here. Well, Kate, if you don't have any other notes on it, I want to wrap it up with a question to okay. you. If you do have more notes, though, let me no, know. No, 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 no. I'm just I, complaining. If if they only win two games in Big 12 play, so two games the rest of the season or less, do they eat the $8 million buyout and get rid of Boynton? I, I want to. I mean, it's not that I want to. I, I believe that they would. Or I want to believe that they would because that's just you can't win two games in this league. But. That's a big buyout. Now, I do know that that buyout drops a little bit uh, after I think it's April 1st, but it doesn't drop, you know, I think it's still six and a half million dollars that they'd be forced to pay. And frankly, that's like NIL money that could be used elsewhere. You're going to have to have a donor cough that up. I mean, again, I've said this before, Oklahoma State, just like every other athletic department in the country, is still reeling post-COVID. The introduction of NIL, dollars are in a in a weird spot. And so... I would think yes, but I I almost believe they won't. Like, but my, my yeah. point in this roster is so young. Do you give them another year to keep the talent together and just hope That's it gets better? That's kind of what I was going to say. Like, I I don't know. I I feel like they almost will do that. I think that, there's I so many true freshmen. That's what they do. Yeah, yeah. If and they I mean, do fire him? Do they hire Doug Gottlieb? Oh, well, <laughs> funny you should say that. Because I wanted to get your take on this. We talked a little bit about this when it was first reported back in October that Doug Gottlieb well, was... I don't, Kate, I don't even think it was officially reported. I think you and I were saying, hey, this is the rumor we heard. Because you know we don't like to be breaking news, but that's what you and I had heard. Not to cut you off, but... So we didn't dive into it. You're right. We really just kind of hit on it for a second. But I, was, well, I just wanted to caveat that. Yeah, and I, I don't want to, you know, say a lot on it. Um, they the idea that Doug Gottlieb could be an assistant coach on Mike Boynton's staff, from what I know, has was a real idea. And I find that to be almost outlandish. Um just for several reasons. It has nothing to do with Doug. It's almost exclusively with the situation. But it is it is somewhat humorous that that's happening and what's happening is <laughs> on the court is happening. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's Doug's fault. I'm not saying it's Mike's fault. This whole thing stinks. Everybody, nobody wants it more than Mike, but it is, it is somewhat uh, interesting that this was the year to do that. Um, I, I, I just don't, under, I don't, I don't know why I really don't. I, I almost feel like there was like a brainstorming, kind of end of year meeting, like, Hey, what are our goals for next year? Kind of like you would do at work end of year meeting. Let's just fire some things off of the wall. And they fired 
I, and look, you and I love Doug Gottlieb. Yeah. And I think it's awesome that he's consulting. And I thought it was interesting to find out from Marshall Scott, Scott's article. I, I did not know this part that he was consulting other teams, which makes sense because he's been really involved in coaching and his family is. But I, I think I saw Texas, maybe Texas Tech in there. But it's, it feels, back to what I was saying, it feels like they were just throwing stuff at the wall. Hey, let's get Isaiah Miranda. Let's bring Doug Gottlieb in as a consultant. Let's go to Spain for this trip. Yeah. Play there this year. Like, you know, let's all this take stuff. bikini and bottom and move ideas. it somewhere else. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and some of them are crazy ideas that they ended up just doing anyway, I feel like. And I'm not saying the Doug Gottlieb thing is crazy, but it just almost feels like it, it was, hey, we got to figure something out. Let's just pull out all the stuff. I, well, and I actually, I was, I was talking to somebody last night. And I said that I felt like when I first heard that, that 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 was the first time I wondered if Boynton was worried about this team. Like, and I don't, he mentioned they would not be as good defensively. Well, Dustin, I don't know if you know this of the 28 years that Ken Palm has tracked defensive effectiveness. This is the worst Oklahoma state defense in the history of Ken Palm. This is 28 out of 28 to make things worse. It is the 25th ranked offense. So statistically, this is the worst Oklahoma State basketball team in 28 years. And so that to hear that, you know, Doug Gottlieb is being brought in as a consultant. When I first heard that, it's nothing against Doug. I just wondered, is everything okay with this team? And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't look like it is. And, um, you know, maybe they turn things around. They certainly shouldn't listen to me. Um, th this is just my opinion from the 300 level where I, I have my season tickets. But, uh, you know, Dustin, <laughs> I, I just um, I hope they turn it around. And, you know, the, the last caveat for me is like I I have never wanted a head coach to succeed more than I want Mike Boynton to succeed. I think most people carry that train of thought. But like, I, I honestly mean it. He is like an Oklahoma State guy. And the, de the day that he moves on, whether it's by force or by his own accord, will be a very sad day. And I just hope it's not soon. Oh, 100%. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I honestly want to, and those were great stats. I wanted to go look. I, I just know it's not as well-tracked for college basketball. And I'm normally, like when I've done talked about points in the paint and stuff on this podcast. I've normally gone to stat broadcast and calculated that out myself, but I'd love to look at points in the paint over this oh. stretch. Because you should look at opposing getting, points in the paint because Holy crap. Yeah. You've been getting killed inside, which honestly teams haven't been shooting like amazing from three against them in all of these games, but they're making up for it in the paint. But the problem is yeah, they haven't kid, had to. I, Exactly. Yeah. I wanted to hit the, I wanted to hit the Doug Gottlieb thing as well before we moved on, but I think that's all we have on basketball. So this is going to be, we wanted to hit baseball and softball because we have a little bit of time on this pod and we actually got a question on softball. So Kate, if you're ready, I think we can move into those sports and then hit a few questions. Yeah, that sounds great. So baseball, perfect game, put out their top 25. OSU is 22nd. And they are not ranked in D1 baseball's top 25. And Cade, are we going to have to come after our guy, Aaron Fitt, who is a recurring annual guest on the podcast? Because Explain yourself. He's the one who does this top 25. But 
I get it. I actually saw the D1 baseball guys uh, backing up some of their takes, and they're really good about responding to people on Twitter. And they talked about the Oklahoma State, and basically they said they're returning a lot of power at the plate, but the question mark, as it was last year, is pitching, and I think they learned their lesson from last year, is what what they're saying. I'm not saying Oklahoma State's going to be bad at pitching, but it sounds like they kind of learned their lesson where they had Oklahoma State, you know, really highly ranked last year, but there's question marks on the pitching. Well, they got knocked out in the regional round and coming into this year, there's even more question marks on pitching without uh, Jawan watch Brown anymore or Nolan McLean. And I think they're just saying, Hey, until they prove the pitching, we're not going to rank. Well, I think it's, I think it's smart. Like, and, and we talked about this, the pitching for Oklahoma State, it doesn't seem like they fully have addressed it as a as a problem. And I mean, I think the analysis is spot on from Aaron. He should, though, he should know better as as, you know, a, a frequent guest of this podcast <laughs> that we'll turn on you and we'll bring you on. But uh, no, I'm kidding. Obviously, he's been fantastic, but yeah. I don't blame him. I really don't. You know what bothered me, though, Cade? Uh, seeing some of these All-American teams. No Nolan Schubert. He was a freshman All-American, was he not? That's a mis- Yes, he was. How That's is he not on any of these teams? Carson Binge is on there, which he should be, but Schubert not being on there is strange. Hopefully that puts a chip on his shoulder and he goes out and dominates. But, okay, before we move to softball, let me read this lineup. Take pitching out of your head for a second. Let me read this. This is just what I'm thinking the lineup's going to be. In the outfield, you've got Earhart, Nolan Schubert, Carson Binge. In the infield, you've got Tyler Wolfert, Aiden Miola. Not exactly sure where he's going to play yet. I would think second base if Wolfert's at third. Lane Forsythe, the transfer. And then Colin Bergman at first base with a combo of Ian Daughtry and Bo Sylvester at catcher. Those guys can hit. Oh, for sure. I mean, that is a hit. Those guys had to play a lot last year anyway because of injuries. So really, besides Riggio and Brown and Mendham, you're not losing a ton. And then Brueggemann was one of the main DHs, so he kind of fills in there anyway. McLean was hurt a lot last year. Atkinson was a good hitter at times, but I think you're reloading at the plate, even losing some of those big names I mentioned. Do you not agree there? No, I think you are. I think those are some big names coming back, but I do think you're, you're losing some key production. Yeah, especially in the middle of the infield with Riggio and Brown. The problem is, you know, and you've got guys like Avery Ortiz, Colin Ritchie, Donovan LaSalle, Charlie Carter, Jackson Kroll, all good hitters. It's when you get to pitching, and hopefully, Ryan, you're coming back. Another year of Brennan Phillips, who you and I thought was going to be the true freshman phenom, and he kind of had an up and down, looked good in the Big 12 tournament. But Blake, Holiday, O'Toole, some new guys like Molsky and Kranz from Wichita State, Hazel who, you know, I thought was going to be better last season. He looked good in fall ball this year. Ryan Bogus, hopefully he's going to be fully back off injury. It's a lot of unproven names in the bullpen. I think you just got to see them produce on the field. And and I kind of agree with the D1 baseball guys leaving them out. Yeah, I, I think I do too. I think it's going to be a good league again as well. I think they've added potentially some decent programs into this league and you look at the schedule dustin it starts off tough you know they sam houston stayed on the road i don't worry t- so much about that one but you've got a series in arlington 
with Michigan, Arkansas, and Oregon State. Two of the three of those are perennial powers in college baseball. And so that it's going to start off tough, and we're going to get a glimpse of who this team could be pretty early. Got to build off that momentum you generated in Arlington at the Big 12 tournament. Have to. Have to. And not the lack of momentum you had at the beginning of the season in Correct. last year. Correct. So. Let's inverse uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> so softball, we got a question. So we'll just, I'll just read the question. Then we can talk a little softball GIA enthusiast at accounting poke. Thanks so much for the question. He said, who are the most likely breakout candidates on the softball team this upcoming season? Well, Cade, the big 12 coaches poll has come out. Oklahoma state is third behind OU in Texas. No shocker there. It's always those three at the top. You know, there's coaching change. Everly's coming in. Vanessa Shippey. Fletcher has moved into a full assistant role. They got rid of the hitting coach. Kelly Maxwell's gone. You know, some key players from last year, Kylie Naomi, you know, uh, you know like some main people, Rachel Becker, who I think was one of you and I's favorite players. Yep of all time they've lost some pieces in the outfield but they bring back Harry Everly to be the pitching coach at the full-time pitching coach now with John Barfelt leaving they've got Lexi Kilfoyle who was Oklahoma State's best pitcher last season no shot at Maxwell I thought Kilfoyle full season was better Tyra Aycock who we've seen flashes Ivy Rosenberry who hasn't really shown it on the big stage yet but we know she can pitch and then Katie Cuts, a top 10 incoming recruit. In the field, Megan Bloodworth is back. They've got Talon Edwards, Carly Go- uh, Goodwin, McDonald, Wark, Caroline Wong at catcher, the Liberty transfer, who I think is going to be really good, Rosie Davis. And in the outfield, they've got to replace Carwile. They've got to replace a lot out there, but they've got Katie Lott. They've got J- uh, Jalen Pollard. I think that's, I can't remember how you say her first name, but Pollard. They've got Claire Tin. Tim coming in, Taylor Anderson, Tia Warsup. They've got names. I think they're going to be really good. I think my main worry here, Kate, before I throw it back to you, is who steps up behind Kilfoyle. Alan Edwards, maybe? I mean, I, I just don't know. I don't know who is going to be kind of their next best pitcher in big games. Oh, you're, you're, at, you're at, I'm sorry. You're asking pitching, man. I, I really don't I know. I want it to be Acock. Yeah. But you know, we saw her get, we saw her have some great games against tough competition and then get kind of run off the field. So, you know, if cuts can come in and be awesome right away as a freshman, we'll see. But I, I like what they have in the field, even losing all of those big names. And sorry, uh, Cheyenne factor. I'm, oh, I yeah. mentioned she won't be back either. But I wish Carwell was coming back. I wish her the best. She actually had eligibility left. She's leaving to go to physical therapy school. But it, I think it's going to be another exciting year for softball. I think they're still going to be really, really good. I just get a little worried about the number two at pitcher. I wonder if Kyra Aycock takes a jump, though. You know, like Kelly Maxwell had a similar, you know, start to her career. I mean, she was really, really good early, but Kyra Aycock showed similar flashes. I would want, I would think that she's been developed well enough 
to avoid some of the things that got her in trouble, you know, especially late last year. Um, she's also put in some really tough situations late in that season. So um, I expect, I would expect her to take a jump, but like how big to, to the point where you're not concerned about it? Probably not. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm very excited for softball though. Whenever we have time, we will talk baseball and softball on here for sure. Hitting a couple other questions before we get out of here. Ryan at Ryan three zero five, five, four, one, two, nine. When does the 2024 football roster come out? Are Cody Walterscheid and Corey Black coming back? I went back and looked, Ryan. Last year, the roster came out in late February. I think we put a Twitter thread out about it, like February 26th or 27th or something like that. I don't think there's like an... Kate, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there's an official public release date of the roster. It just kind of pops up. I go to the website and we see it. (laughs) I thought that that's exactly what happens normally. Yeah, and then as far as Walter Scheid and Corey Black, I don't know if Corey Black's going somewhere besides the NFL draft, I, I would be shocked because he's going to miss all of spring now because he wouldn't be able to go until the portal window in mid-April. Everything that you and I've heard is he's going to be back. Uh, it seems that 247 and Pokes Report think he's going to be back. As far as Walter Scheid goes... Robert Allen is reporting that he's not going to come back and he's he's graduated and he's not going to use his COVID year. That's as far as I know. I haven't seen anything else about it. I don't think he's announced. But if, if you had to make me bet, I would say Walter Scheid not back, Corey Black back. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And Corey Black needs to be back. That would That would be a really nice boost to this defense. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next one's from can't win them all at underscore can't win them all. He says, this offseason feels a lot like the 2020 offseason with everyone coming back. What were your expectations of the 2020 team? Many of the vets on the 2024 roster were young guys on that team. What, if anything, could they learn from that experience that will help next year? Kate, I, I mean, I'll throw it over to you. I, I don't remember exactly what my expectations were for 2020 because that was such a weird season yep. with the short. And I, I knew I thought the team was going to be really good. And they had some tough losses that season but as far as things that they could learn i i mean handling adversity going through that weird 2020 <laughs> season would probably be one and that what else could it be you know i think it's an interesting question but like how many guys are coming back three from that roster four i'd have to go back and look it's not many and so i can't imagine that there's any like x's and o's you know uh I totally get why you're asking. Like, is it, how can you avoid disappointment when, you know, in 2020 it was, you know, Chuba Hubbard, Spencer Sanders. I think Tylen Wallace was on that roster. I'd I'd have to go back and look. He may not have been, but the reality is that was a disappointing year that had a lot of potential. I'll take that as the, the question. I think the answer is you glean on this previous year, maybe not 2020. Those guys would probably be more likely to look to this one and maybe even 2021 before they looked at that COVID year as as inspiration. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I do. I, yeah, it's a very interesting question. Thank you for sending it. But yeah, I think it, I think you hit it on the head. And then they may the last be, one. They, they may draw inspiration from the 2012, you know, team that, you know, lost <laughs> it at the, it lost Bedlam at the, uh, at the goal line. Who knows? Yeah, very true. Uh, our last one's from Chris Gibbons at Chris 74 Gibbons. He said, would you rather be the big 12 champ in a three or four seed in the playoff and likely get the SEC big 10 number two or 
be a seven to eight seed, host the playoff game, and likely get SEC Big Ten number one with a win. Bonus scenario, Bedlam eight nine game. I get, Kate, I, I mean, just kind of looking at this since I read you a lot of words right there, and it's a I'm, I'm rereading it. Okay, it's it's basically, would you rather host a playoff game but possibly have to play the SEC number one or Big Ten number one, or not host, be a higher seed, and and not host and be a higher seed? I guess I I would always kind of lean on being the higher seed because that probably means you had a better season but man hosting a playoff game would be awesome could you imagine oklahoma state hosting a college football playoff game in boone Pickens stadium that environment yeah. i think i would pick that just for the and maybe experience maybe i'm reading it wrong i don't know if you'd host either way but just kind of going off the question it sounds like one you host one you don't i'd probably go with the one where you host i don't know how you would be the three seed getting a you know six or uh I don't know how you would not host in that scenario, but I think yeah. maybe the question is like, would you rather play the one? I don't know. I want to host a playoff game. I'd like to be a three seed into college football playoff next year. Yeah. That in itself is maybe a little bit far-fetched, but I could see Oklahoma state seven, eight at large bid. Who knows? Yeah, that would be awesome. I kid. That's all we got. Appreciate everybody with the questions. Kind of covered a lot of stuff on this pod, but hopefully you guys enjoyed it because we love talking all Oklahoma State sports when we get a chance. Yeah, as always. And uh, Dustin, safe travels to you next week. And uh, I'll do my best to hold the fort down. I'll send a pod questions tweet out uh, early next week. And uh, yeah, be flexible with me because, you know, the pod may come out earlier than you're used to as I just see if I can find some time during the week. So Dustin, appreciate you as always, my friend. If you're not already, you can follow us at feels like 45 pod on Twitter, Instagram and threads. You can follow Dustin at Dust Ragu and you can follow me at Cade Webb. We will see you guys back here next week. Go Pokes.